Interested in learning how to better your company? Diversity is the key to solving many problems, but you should also be a good steward of the environment. Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail, the podcast of The Retail Doctor. I'm your host, Bob Vibbs. We all have the ability to make a positive change in the world, even with few resources. On this episode, we'll be talking to Dax Da Silva, founder of POS company Lightspeed and author of the new book, Age of Union, about how to problem solve with your team, how to adapt in an ever-changing retail landscape, the need to do more to make the world a better place, and how to become a change maker. Oh, and after a banner year highlighted by a successful initial public offering on the Toronto Stock Exchange, Dax was just awarded Innovator of the Year. Take notes on this dynamic CEO and founder. Let's get going. Welcome, Dax. Thank you for having me, Bob. Absolutely. So who are you and what do you have to do with retail? Yes, I'm the CEO of Lightspeed, uh, the founder uh, of a company that does software for uh, independent uh, retailers and restaurateurs. Uh, we do the complex segment um, of, uh, of retail software. Uh, so we do a lot of inventory management, point of sale, um, analytics, basically the operating system for these businesses, for these small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah, now I think it's interesting how you start out with Lightspeed because uh, we have a shared connection through ASMC, but oh, yeah. uh, and, and you're a fan of, of Macs. So how did that all start out to go from just you figuring out a POS system to how many employees you have there now around the world? It's uh, more than 800. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. So how did you start out? How did you get yeah. the idea? I mean, it's not a normal thing for a smart guy to say, I'm going to go into the POS business, right? So there, there, so we started in 2005 uh, as, as, um, um, as, uh, as Silva Systems um, and then became Lightspeed, which Lightspeed was always the product. So I'd done a number of retail-oriented um, custom uh, software solutions uh, you know, starting from my teens. And a lot of them was with the Apple dealer ecosystem because I uh, started working at an Apple dealer. I started working at an Apple developer apprenticing at 13 and then started working for the Apple dealerships uh, at around 15. And so between Vancouver and, and, uh, and where I'm from and Montreal, I uh, did a lot of different custom solutions that did a lot of different functions within the retail, within those retail environments. Uh, and those environments were complex. They had multiple locations often. They had, uh, you know, um, diverse inventories. They had repair shops. Uh, and so when I built Lightspeed uh, uh, in 2005, you know, I decided that I wanted to make sure Lightspeed was, um, was broad enough that, that it could handle the complexity of an Apple dealership because that was our first few customers. Our first 100, 100 to 150 customers were Apple dealerships, but I wanted to also make sure it could be adaptable and versatile to verticals that also had some of the same attributes, like for example, bike or jewelry, which also have repair shops or apparel that has lots of complex inventory and matrices and grids. So yeah, so that's how, that's how that, um, that started. It started on the Mac as Mac software. And then, you know, by 2013, we had migrated our solutions into the cloud, which enables things like omni-channel and e-commerce and connections to other systems on the web. Nice. Well, I, uh, I certainly want to find out more about how you built such a great uh, company, but uh, the thing that you're probably wanted to talk about today is this uh, book, The Age of Union, 
And, uh, you know, when I was reading it, um, because I want to get people interested to go further, you talk about um, we're trying to get to this path of unseparation. So what is the goal of unseparation? And I know you had several pillars that if you can give yeah. me just a high, high, um, you know, high view of that, um, that would be helpful. Yeah, so Age of Union, um, the idea behind the book is really to ignite each individual person as a change maker. You know, we each have this, we each have a sort of a unique capacity to do something positive uh, in, in our own way. Uh, and, and I think the overall sort of aim of the book is to realize that we actually have a lot of separation and a lot of division, um, you know, in, in the way that we experience the world. Uh, the pillars of the book you know, leadership, culture, spirituality, and nature. There's four, four pillars. You tend to think of these things as very separate. Uh, and uh, as humans, we love to put things into boxes. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of diversity and there's a lot of difference in the world, you know? So there's lots of different kinds of leaders. There's many different kinds of cultures. There's lots of types of spirituality and there's so much biodiversity in nature. And so Age of Union, the book is to sort of to start to see things more holistically uh, instead of looking at things through the lens of division, start to look at things, uh, look at all this diversity through the lens of unity. Uh, and I think that that's part of, part of what the answer is to some of the things that are, that are um, real challenges that we see on the planet. Well, that's what I appreciate about it. Uh, you know, let's face it, in the last week, we've heard about how the Amazon is on fire and it's easy to pick winners and losers and you need to do this and all of that. Um, but really, you're, you know, you're kind of a, a call to arms that it's up to us to um, take that mantle on and what we can do. Um, like for example, just in that, in that instance, I mean, what would be some ideas you have about how we could support um, this great um, calamity that's going on, right? Well, I, I think that the Amazon is a great example of, of uh, how we have to look at things holistically. You know, why, why, are, why is land being cleared in the Amazon? The la land is being cleared primarily, uh, you know, for, for animal agriculture, you know. And so uh, human beings never ate three meals a day primarily of meat-based protein. You know, if you go back 50 years, 100 years, uh, you know, our insatiable desire for, for um, you know, you know, for meat has, is causing us to, to, to develop land that was, uh, that, that was, that is much needed wilderness, you know? And so, uh, so the things, the things are very connected. You know, the, the Amazon doesn't go, go on fire and doesn't get converted into agricultural land um, randomly. You know, it, 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 it comes from the choices that we've made. And I think that change begins with our choices. Uh, and so that there is, there is something that people can do on an individual basis that, that, uh, that guide our choices towards things that are, that are less destructive, less harmful, and more conscious of how we live on this planet and how um, future generations are going to experience this planet. So when you look at, a, when you look at an issue like the Amazon uh, and you decide you're going to blame uh, a politician or the system, you will often find that that, that, that is the symptom of, of what our daily behavior is. You know, and so um, that's why I think that, yes, there is a lot of responsibility on our leaders, but there's also a lot of responsibility on us as individuals. And that's and, and that's how we can be change makers each and every day in the way that we we in the, in the way that we act. 
Yeah, I appreciate that at the end of the book of an awful lot of ways that we can take action. And, you know, so certainly more than post the uh, the clip on Facebook and people like it, like makes me angry. OK, next thing. Right. You yeah. need them to actually take uh, some initiative about it. And you talk about becoming a better listener in the book. Is this something that you mentor your employees about? And and if so, um, how do you how do you teach that or how do you share that? Well, it's funny because people always think that uh, the more you talk, the smarter, smarter people think you are. And I think it's really just the opposite. You know, the more you listen, I think the more people respect, respect you, whether you're a leader or whether you're, um, you know, a member of a team. And I think, it's, I think it's when you listen is when you deepen your knowledge of other people's perspectives and, and understandings. Uh, and, uh, and that actually creates richer solutions. You know, when you listen to other people's perspectives, um, it shapes your own uh, and it shapes the ultimate solution uh, to maybe a challenging problem that not one person can solve with, with only their point of view. Uh, and so being a better listener, um, I think, actually is a way to, um, to be a better leader and also to, um, you know, to, 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 have a, to, have, to have a richer outcome. So would it be a way that we're in a meeting and there's, I don't know, I'm with five developers and we're all in the meeting with you and you're going to expect each one of them to talk? Is it like that? Kind of like for speaking or is it asking, you know, what did you hear him say and asking people to summarize it? I mean, listening is such a crucial skill and I just think it's, it's yeah. important to, to nail down what, what that looks like for you. I, I, I find that at light speed that, uh, that, that given the opportunity, people are willing to share and willing to be pretty tra- transparent and willing to, uh, and and that's why I try I, tr- I try to be as well whenever whenever possible. You know, I have, we have Q and As that happen that are very candid, you know, and people are able to um, have forums and and voice things. And I think that it, it can be difficult, it can be uncomfortable, it can be awkward, it can, it can also be very enlightening. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's how you make progress and that's how you move forward. Well, you have to be open to it. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, I appreciated reading your spiritual journey uh, in the book. And I know you had quite a journey to choose these aspects of your spirituality, not necessarily what you grew up out there in Vancouver with. But yeah. uh, that goes more than meditation, right? I mean, what would you first tell somebody starting to understand intention in particular? I mean, I, I think it's a huge intention is a huge place that I want to work as I get older because I think yeah. the intention we have when we walk into a business, right? If I walk into the store, it's the week of Christmas. I hate Christmas music. I hate customers. <laughs> that energy goes yeah. right into the store. I absolutely believe that. But setting your intention and understanding that through spirituality um, is the key, right? Well, I think that like, as we spoke about earlier, um, what's important is action, but where does action come from? Action Action has to come originally it has the there's a seed of intention of what you intended to do. What was your intention that becomes your thoughts that becomes your what you what you speak and what you write and eventually becomes your action. Right. And so um, having an intention because we go through we tend to go through today's society very much on autopilot. We often don't think about the things that we do uh, as much as we should. And when you start to think about the things that we do and the things that we choose to do and the things we choose to choose to buy, things we choose to eat, things we choose to how we choose to speak or how we choose to engage, um, uh, we can form our intention to have more compassion, to have more understanding, to have a broader scope, 
Um, and sometimes it's not malicious that we don't, that we are on autopilot. Um, sometimes we just didn't take the time to form intention. Um, and once we have an intention that sort of considers not just myself, but also my community and also maybe the planet, uh, then that intention, which is, you know, has a broader scope, will, will uh, translate into actions that are more unified um, with the greater good. And that's why I think that intention is, you know, I think everybody will have a different spiritual, uh, spiritual journey. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing I can tell you that's going to, going to, um, or anybody that's going to prevent them from having their own path. Right. But I think that ultimately, um, ultimately spirituality is about having that intention of, of greater understanding and compassion of other living things. Uh, and, and then that also connects you with that higher purpose of, of giving and, and doing, doing for the greater good of, of all things, you know? And so ultimately spirituality is very connected to nature and it's very connected to, uh, to the greater purpose and the greater good of, 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 of the actions that we make, um, uh, being, being thoughtful, connected and having intention. Yeah. I, I think that it starts for me is just kind of observing myself. Well, that's interesting. Why did I say that? Or that's interesting. Why am I doing that? doesn't mean you have to put value on it. Don't attach to it. Just sure. when you suddenly realize that you're like, well, why am I doing this? And, and the more you ask that question, I think, then you certainly realize, well, I really didn't send an intention. I'm just kind of going through the motions because this is what I do when I go to work or this is what I do when I talk to my friends. Right. And, and so then when you've got that, then I think to your point, you can say, well, is that serving me well? And is that in align with what my values are? Which is what I, I think I took from, from your point. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's all about increasing your awareness, increasing your consciousness of, of the things that you, you do. Um, and I think that that's growth, you know, that's, that's personal growth. Uh, and we all, I think we all collectively have to grow fast. <laughs> if we, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> if we, if we want to see things, um, uh, not fill our news feeds with things that, that totally depress us, you know, that, uh, um, I think, I think that there is, especially with the internet, there's a potential for us to, to be more conscious because there's so much information and, uh, there's, you know, hopefully we, we, we get there. Well, and, uh, to, to just to build on that, certainly being in the States, uh, with politics and I imagine certainly in the UK, um, just the overabundance of fear and helplessness that we feel. And the one place that we can start off as in the way that we look at that and the things that we want to focus on. And that sounds easier than, than uh, it is, I think. Yeah. Um, but we got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We'll explore more in just a bit, but first a quick word about Field Agent, our sponsor. Field Agent is an on-demand platform that furnishes businesses with in-store information, shopper insights, and services to drive product sales all through the Field Agent mobile app featuring a panel of over one and a half million shoppers. In a matter of hours, you can get photos and data from stores everywhere. If you need in-store visibility and you need it fast, Field Agent is the solution for you. Visit www.fieldagent.net slash retail doctor for exclusive content. Now let's get back to it. Also, you came out at an early age and write that LGBT members have a lot to offer due to having gone through the experience. I mean, is it just we understand diversity better or is there more to it than that? Um, I think that we learn from an early age that, um, that, that we're different. Uh, and then I think there's, um, there's later a realization that, um, 
that there is value in being different and that we can bring, we can bring value and the difference can be a teacher. Uh, that are the, the differences between one another are not, shouldn't be sources of fear. They should be things that, that can be uh, celebrated, elevated, um, uh, and, and can, and can, uh, that can benefit everyone, you know? And so that I think is, that I think is really special about the community is that um, because of, because of how we grew up different, um, we can be teachers of the value of diversity. Uh, and so, we, and there's no more, there's no greater period where we've needed that, you know? And so um, I, I, he I heard somebody say something really interesting, uh, you know, the other day, which is, you know, in a lot of indigenous, traditional indigenous communities, um, LGBTQ people, um, you know, there was another term for them, two-spirited people. Uh, they really, they really were the connecting glue in society. They, and, uh, and they filled the gaps, you know, you know, because they weren't raising their own children. They, 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 um, they filled the gaps. They had special places in the ceremony. They had special responsibility to the land and the water. Um, and, and they were uh, revered, right? I mean, they were revered for that. And they were revered. And so um, there is, I think, a special purpose for every kind of person. And I think that uh, um, it's those differences that, that, uh, that really allow, um, allow, I think, us to all play a, a, a role in society, you know? And uh, that's, that's, I think, something that LGBTQ people, uh, you know, we have pride, but I think that we can also understand that we also have a, a great purpose. And I think millennials certainly are able to understand that and um, have really been a sea change in how everybody's diversity is looked at, right? It's it's much bigger welcoming tent. It's a much bigger, um, oh, well, this is you and this is me. And there's not a judgment necessarily coming from that. I think we're working towards that world. And it looks like when I follow you guys on uh, Lightspeed on Instagram or on uh, LinkedIn, you have diversity baked into your business. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the original team was, um, you know, all from the LGBTQ community. Obviously, the company quickly grew. Uh, we enlarged our circle, but I think that we have that in our DNA of respecting every uh, different kinds of people um, and, and valuing different, different, um, different kinds of voices and creating seats at the table for, um, for, for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And what's been your biggest challenge the past three years? And how'd you overcome that? Well, I mean, Lightspeed is, is, a, is a company that's evolving continuously. You know, uh, we went public this year. We, um, we've acquired many companies. The, you know, maintaining our company culture through all these different changes. I think those are, those are, some, of the, those are some of the real, you know, the real, the real, the real challenges. And, um, uh, you know, I think that's, that's part of it. A high growth company um, comes with, 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 with all of that, uh, all, with all those growing pains, you know, you feel like you're in a new league every year because of the way that the company grows uh, and you have to live up to that. And so for me on a personal level, um, I have to almost redefine my job every year. Um, you know, what is, what is, what is my role for, for Lightspeed this year? You know, and I think that that's uh, that's an important thing to do. Um, well, and not take it all on your back, right? Because so many founders, I think, burn out. They have the vision, they do it. Then there's the issue of uh, I'm the one that can be trusted to do this, so I have to touch everything. And then yeah. suddenly, 
you know, they burn up and they don't realize, no, your number one thing once you get going is how do you get this other team behind you to see it and take you to the next place, right? For sure. And I, and I think another, you know, what uh, one of the questions that you had, you had written down here was what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh-huh. Uh, and the answer to that is you can't have it all on your shoulders. You know, you, you have to, um, number one, I think you have to have, uh, you have to have spiritual growth that lets you, um, unload some of that. Um, and, uh, and you have to have somewhere to draw from spiritually, but then you also have to have a team. You have to be able to share ownership. And I read about this in age of union as well. You have to have, you have to be able to have a strong, a strong team that you can share ownership with. Um, and then, you know, as the company goes to different levels every year, you're going to be outside of your comfort zone. And that's a, that's just something that, uh, that I've had to embrace um, and something that, um, that, that having that spiritual growth really helps with. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Uh, how, many, how many retail accounts do you think you have, roughly? Retail accounts. So we'll, we have 51,000 merchants. 51,000 merchants, right? Yeah. So um, what would you tell a friend looking to go into retail right now? Like we have this cool little place they want to open yeah. in, uh, on, uh, in Toronto, and uh, they say, oh, come with me. We'll go to our local uh, coffee house. And they start telling you about it. What would, what, would, what would be like one or two things you would tell them? Yeah, so I think, I think the way the consumers shop uh, has changed. The way they find out and discover, find out about and discover retail stores has completely, uh, you know, changed com- radically over the, over the 14 years we've been around. And so I think that they will need to, they'll need to a- adopt an omni-channel approach. You know, they'll have a, they'll have a physical presence. They'll have an online presence. They'll have a social media presence. They'll be engaging with their customers on all of these different channels. Um, I think that we, we've seen our customers use different elements of our, of the tools from Lightspeed, you know, whether it's the retail software plus the e-com software plus the loyalty platform um, plus, you know, uh, you know, innovative use of analytics plus doing pop-up shops, you know, like are the best retailers that we've seen that are very modern um, have, have always created business models out of our using our tools that, that have often surprise us. Uh, with their freshness, with their, their, you know, innovative application of technology and engagement and, and, uh, and, um, you know, uh, loyalty types of, uh, loyalty types of uh, initiatives and, uh, and, and, you know, opening multiple locations often is part of their strategy uh, and rolling out, you know, rolling out, um, doing a rollout of pop-ups or, or, or locations. So there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach retail uh, I think that being innovative, being um, cloud-based so that you can move quickly and agile, uh, these are, there's so much possibility for you to stand out. You know, right. I think that that's ultimately what, what you want to do is you want your business model to be fresh and stand out. Um, and thankfully, the tools are inexpensive uh, and in the cloud now, so you have that kind of flexibility and you can be creative. I should have expected you to say that, but I didn't expect you to say that. So that's really interesting that you would start with a technology first and then see what you can do with it. I like that. Instead of an afterthought, it has to start baked into the, into the store. Um, well, I, I think because people are doing omni-channel and, they're, and they, they have to, they have, there's so much more on their shoulders in terms of all these channels they have to be present on that there is a technology discussion sort of at the beginning yeah. because 
your concept is going to get manifested um, and will succeed or fail. I mean, ultimately, it'll succeed on fail whether they manage inventory correctly and they order the right thing for the right person, for the right moment, for the right location. But if you don't have technology running all of that and having all the channels activated, uh, uh, you know, having the best concept in the world might not might right. not success it deserves. Could be a nightmare. And um, so tell me something good about retail. We're almost at the end of our time. One of my last questions I ask almost all of our guests, tell me something good about retail. I think retail is, it's those moments of delight. It's those moments of, uh, of you know, it's, it's like, it's like hunting, right? You know, uh, hunting for that perfect item that, that, uh, that makes you feel, um, like you found the right fit for you. Uh, you found, you found, you found something that, uh, that's, that's special to you. I think that's, there's still that element of excitement, right? Yeah. And I think that, uh, whether that's online, whether you find that on social, whether you're in a physical store, um, I think that the 3D experience in the physical store remains really special. I think that that is um, being rediscovered uh, and the retailers that do it well uh, are the ones that are going to, I think, be the, the big names, the big brands of the future. The ones that, uh, that have strong uh, brand, brand identity and physical presences and then also are able to engage consumers when they are outside of the store online or on social. So those are, those are, um, there's still, uh, an amazing place for innovation in, uh, in physical retail. And it's just delighting that customer and, uh, allowing them to find that, that, uh, that perfect item that's, that brings them a lot of joy. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So how can they find out more about Lightspeed and uh, your book age of union igniting the change maker? Yeah. So lightspeedhq.com. Um, or Lightspeed HQ on any of the social handles and ageofunion.com uh, as well as on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, hope to, hope to connect with, uh, with, with all of your listeners. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that pretty much does it. And I want to thank my guest, Dax Da Silva. I'll tell you, one of the things that I really appreciated about our conversation was his ideas on inspiring change and becoming that change you want to see in the world to make a positive impact in the little things that we could do. And on the next episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail, I'm going to speak to Heidi Owen West, a retail owner with three stores in New York about working with vendors, how to end those business relationships when they aren't mutually beneficial, and how to handle the retail landscape of customer product knowledge. You won't want to miss it. And if you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast service. I'm Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. Thanks again for listening. Tell Me Something Good About Retail is the podcast of The Retail Doctor. Visit RetailDoc.com to learn what makes Bob Fibbs the authority on brick-and-mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest brands all the way down to the smallest mom and pops. As a listener of the Tell Me Something Good About Retail podcast, you can receive free information and guides when you visit RetailDoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. For more information, to access the complete archives of past retail goodness, and to see about Bob speaking to your audience, please visit RetailDoc.com.